In this episode, I will read an article about a reopened New York investigation. I will give you all a big update in the Natasha and Susan Carter disappearance. I will give my insight into the disappearances of Felipe Santos and Terrence Williams. And I will cover a bunch of other stuff, including private plane crashes. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound Live for September 4th, 2023. Hello, everyone, and this is Unfound Live for September 4th, 2023. Yes, it is Labor Day, so I'm wondering how many of you had the day off. I'm wondering what you did with that uh, time off, if you had time off, and... uh, Of course, for me, uh, you know, we're always working here. Uh, No days off at Unfound according to any federal holidays or anything like that. Uh, I've been known, of course, to do work on my birthday and on Christmas and on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. It's a 365-day, 366-day job. Here at Unfound, I really never, really ever go on vacation. But that's fine. I'm I'm in it. I'm all in on doing this uh, podcast thing. But for all of you, uh, maybe a little different. Of course, maybe some of you are retired or or maybe some of you did have to work. Of course, there are a lot of people uh, maybe in the retail business who don't get today off. So that, uh, there's that, but it would be, I would be interested to see, I don't think I've ever seen what percentage of people in the workforce in the United States actually get this day off. Of course, we know government, uh, most government employees get this day off, whether it's state or uh, federal, you know, teachers in the mail and things like that, because we know on the other hand that, um, Police officers, firefighters, people like that uh, do not get the day off. I think they probably just follow uh, the regular schedule. So that's Labor Day. And I'm guessing that other countries, uh, many other countries may uh, have something similar to this. But I'm guessing it's not on the first Monday of um, September. And it's very interesting how we bookend the summer. I know the way I think about summer is that summer starts on Memorial Day, which is the last Monday of May, and then ends on the on Labor Day, the first Monday of September. It's kind of just how we uh, bookend things, I guess, here in the United States. And uh, maybe it's because I, I grew up in Pennsylvania, which those are generally the the, the mar- demarcations of when school ends and then when school begins and you get your s- summer off. Of course, here in Florida, given the weather, it seems like it's always summer, kind of. So uh, there's that. 
But I have a great uh, show lined up for you. And and by the way, I do thank you. If you did have the day off, spending time with friends and family, maybe going to the beach or to a park, maybe golfing or something. Uh, Thank you for making time on this Labor Day for Unfound uh, here on Monday night. A spectacular show lined up for all of you. I have uh, four questions at least that I will be answering, uh, covering a wide array of topics. Uh, one, at least outside the realm of true crime, and then three within the realm of true crime. So I'm looking forward to those. And if any of you have any questions uh, that you'd like for me to answer tonight, uh, please type that those in the comments in the chat that is being moderated uh, by longtime assistant. And in fact, of course, she got a shout out in the most recent update episode for being the person who put it in my mind that update episode should be done. And that is assistant Cherie. So uh, she's moderating. So everybody better pay attention. And uh, be nice. So uh, before I get started, please give this video a thumbs up uh, for you on YouTube. And for those of you watching on Facebook, do what you can. If there's a uh, thumbs up or a heart button or whatever else that may be there, uh, give it your best shot there. These kinds of gradings matter. In fact, it was on my mind just within the last 15 minutes. I stayed in an Airbnb in Orlando this weekend and uh, just got through giving uh, the host a very nice review. I have to admit, all of the places that I have stayed uh, when I've gone out of town for disc golf tournaments that have been Airbnbs have been really um, good. I've been really nice. Maybe it's because I know how to pick them out. I don't know. I'm fairly picky. I don't like staying in people's houses. I don't mind like a separate, uh, and you know, separate entrance. So you have your own area within the same building. I don't. I don't mind that. But there are Airbnbs where you're actually in the person's house. That really weirds me out. So I only did that once, and uh, it. I, I didn't give the person a bad review. Being, I was weirded out. There was nothing wrong with them or their place. I was weirded out after I did it, and I said, never again. I'm not doing that again. So I'm always looking for my own kind of place. Um, You know, it's on their property. Maybe it's like a casita, like a little house, little building by itself or something like that. They've kind of put it together and has air conditioning and a shower and all the things, but it's separate from the house or something like that. This one was um, like that. It was its own building in the back. And those are the, um, you know, those are the places that I'm looking for. And if I cannot find a place that's reasonable like that, then I'll just go to a hotel room. I I don't like staying in people's places. That is just, it's just kind of weird. I, I people that do that, I have nothing against you. I don't know any of you personally, but for me, uh, I'm kind of private like that, and uh, maybe a little antisocial like that, or something. But. It was a good thing, but the reason I'm saying it, I gave them a great review. Nice place, and I'm going to get into that in a moment. 
So why don't you do the same for Unfound? Give it a thumbs up. If you're not yet a subscriber on the YouTube channel, uh, please subscribe. We're still uh, trying to get as many subscribers as we can uh, before 2023 is over. So if you're listening for the first time, watching for the first time, get to that subscribe button. And then also, if you'd like to go one step further, maybe you want to join uh, by hitting the button there uh, below the video on YouTube. Maybe you want to support Unfound through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Unfound Podcast. And then also another opportunity is paypal.me forward slash Unfound Podcast. In fact, I just uh, received some money uh, from someone today because they would like uh, some of the books that I have uh, to be signed and sent to them. So that's really convenient. And then also, while you are watching tonight, you can hit the Super Chat button and you maybe even do something um, like that on Facebook if you'd like to contribute. If you like what we're doing here, if you like this content, please support Unfound Monetarily if you can. Uh, I played some bad disc golf this weekend. I shouldn't say that. Uh, Off the tee, uh, maybe some of you have been around long enough to know that... um, for some years, I had some anxiety uh, playing disc golf, and uh, especially off the tee, so off the cement pad that we use to start every hole or basket on the course. I would get a lot of anxiety, caused a lot of problems, but I'm telling you that really, off the tee, I'm throwing the disc as well as I ever have. And I, I, I give credit to the sports psychologist that I started seeing in 2021 into 2022, uh, talking a lot of these things out, certainly, certainly helped. And I'm throwing it off the tee as well as I ever. I don't throw far, but if you need a person who can throw it 310 feet straight about on level ground, about six feet off the ground, I'm your person. And that's not easy to do. Um, but everything other than that is not good right now. And it, it really, really, co- really cost me a lot of strokes this weekend. Uh, approach shots, you know, once you throw the drive and throwing the next shot close to the basket so you can put it in, those are horrible. And then I missed some putts too. I, I, I'm i serious when it, I say I might have probably over three rounds this weekend, I cost myself like 15 strokes or something. It's some It's some crazy number. Even though off the tee, I, I had an opportunity to finish. I don't know, not to win, but opportunity to finish real well off the tee. If you were just going by throws off the tee, I did really well. Other than that, man, I had to be one of the worst people as far as approach shots like 100 feet and in and putting. I had to be one of the worst. It was just disgusting. It's just I don't practice it, so I'm going to have to start practicing it because I, I'm a little miffed. But uh, it was good to be out there. Had some great shots. Uh, had some great shots on baskets. That uh, some of the best shots that I've ever thrown on those baskets ever. And I've played those courses a few times, so that was really cool. Um, but everything else, not good. But and I have another tournament coming up this weekend, a two rounder over here at Taylor, my local course. So 
I'm going to be going over there a couple times before this weekend and work on those things that really cost me uh, this past weekend. So let me uh, see who's in here, and then we will continue. Hello, Charles, Karen, Suzanne, Charlotte. I'm going to answer your question, Charlotte. Remember you asked me that question uh, about the disappearance of the two men here in Florida? I got it on my list. I did not forget you, Charlotte. Jasmine, once again, hello, Charles, uh, nephew Charles. Uh, Sheree, thank you for moderating uh, tonight. Kathy, Valerie, I'm off every day because I'm retired. Look at you. Hello, I, I work in healthcare. Same, no days off. Right, of course. Of course, Valerie. Anissa says, I worked. MT, what's going on? Hazel says, no Labor Day in New Zealand. And pink waving. Uh, Twinkle, good to see you. Ellie, uh, great to be here live on this holiday. Everything, good to see you. Um, who else? Uh, who else is in here? I'm Shelly. Uh, that would weird me out staying with strangers. You know, you feel me, uh, Twinkle. Lisa, hello, Lisa. Of course, uh, former guest Lisa Joe. Lisa Joe, so good to see you in the chat tonight. Um, I don't like people enough to share space with them like that. Me neither, Lisa Joe. Me neither. Um, I didn't know till the other day that if you watch a video on YouTube but don't watch the whole video, it affects how much money the YouTuber gets paid. Yes, it does, Charlotte. Fishing, what's going on? Good to see you. It's been a while, maybe, fishing. A couple weeks. Um, and... Uh, Lisa, so I tried to throw bumpers for training tonight at the Retriever Cub and nothing less than embarrassing. I not even I, I tried to throw bumpers for training tonight at the Retriever Club. I'm not sure I know what you're talking about, Lisa. Joe, maybe you tell all of us. Peekaboo, what's going on? Thank you. Uh, Peekaboo is new. Everybody say hello to Peekaboo. Peekaboo cockatiel. I love it. Good uh, Peekaboo. Thank you for joining for the first time tonight. All right, some other things. Um, I'm sure I'll have another disc golf story next uh, Monday, being that I have a two-rounder here at Taylor. Anyway, uh, moving on. Of course, Jimmy Buffett uh, died this past week. And another uh, musician, the lead singer of Smash Mouth, died today, I think. And he was in his 50s. Jimmy was well into his 70s, and they're saying that Jimmy Buffett died due he it started with skin cancer and then it turned into lymphoma. I was reading about that. I have to admit, uh, not the biggest um Jimmy Buffett fan. I don't hate his music like I dislike country music. Although you should know Jimmy Buffett actually started out as a uh country singer. Um, and then changed over in the 1970s after a trip to Key West, I think was the story. But what I, what I say about musicians like Jimmy Buffett, or even though it's not certainly the same kind of music, like Bruce Springsteen or Tom Petty, certainly have uh, a lot of fans, obviously, but I just like my music a little heavier. It, it, those kinds of musicians, what we call lack the crunch. 
for me to uh you know get into that you know music that has a guitar it has to have some distortion and reverb and and all of those things that music is just a little too light for my taste but uh jimmy buffett i mean wildly popular wildly popular musician and uh, of course a great businessman uh you know, with Margaritaville and everything that it became like a billionaire. So if you ever saw him concert, you're watching like a billionaire. It's like watching Paul McCartney play and you don't even realize it. Very happy for him. Very sad. Um, you know, about how, how he died, but uh, Jimmy Buffett, uh, gone too soon. And I even maybe can say that even though I was not really a big fan of his music. And I, in fact, I can remember years ago, at Trivia, we had uh, a category, Jimmy Buffett songs. And myself and only a couple other people of my trivia team were there, and we had a heck of a time. <laughs> other than like Cheeseburger in Paradise and uh, Attitudes and Latitudes and, uh, of course, Margaritaville. Other than that, I you know just really could not pick out the uh, names of songs by Jimmy Buffett. And like I said, also the lead singer of Smash Mouth. Once again, I'm not that big of a fan of them, but he died. Uh, he had alcohol issues that eventually turned into a liver problem. And it's very sad as well. And uh, Jimmy, uh, everything says Jimmy the billionaire, right? That's right. Jingle uh, was really way popular back in the day. We tried to help each other find that lost shaker of salt. Twinkle knows her. Uh, Jimmy Buffett lyrics. Uh, Charles said, "Tired music. It is. Uh, it is a little tired. That's a very interesting way. It, it does sound like when the music's being played that like the guitars of uh, like are just you know retired or something, phoned it in or something. That's me. I like my Judas Priest. I like my ACDC. I like my Iron Maiden. I like my Megadeth. Just, I just like music." I don't like music that relaxes me. I can relax all on my own. <laughs> I can fall asleep in like 10 minutes. No big deal. I like music that really, you know, gets me going and pumps me up, wants me to, to make me jump around and everything. Uh, Nissa says like five finger death punch. I've heard of him. I don't think I've ever heard a song by them. Anissa. All counts point to him being a very decent human. We need as many of those possible. That is true. TD, nothing against him as a human. Absolutely not. Charlotte says, never big Jimmy Buffett fan. Uh, Charlie says, my buddy followed Buffett on tour and swears he used a body double for some shows. That's funny. Now Jimmy has three. Uh, uh, Shree says, uh, now Jimmy has three millionaire children. Yep. That's the way it works out, I guess. I only know Jimmy Buffett from Alan Jackson's video, and I know who Alan Jackson is. And except for that way down the Chattahoochee River, that song, that's like the only Alan Jackson song uh, I know. His books were pretty good, breezy reads. Imagine that, Melissa. That's funny, Melissa. Jimmy Buffett wrote books, and they were good, breezy reads. Imagine that. Good one. So um, rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett, and uh, rest in peace. I didn't write his name. Steve Harwell, I think, was the name of the guy from Smash Mouth. And one, uh, one more thing before we get into all the true crime stuff, and I think I'm going to start off with a question, but I almost killed myself sleeping last night at my Airbnb. It was an area, not nothing against the place. 
but I was so tired. Um, when last night that, you know, for me, even though I can sleep like this, snap my fingers, I could fall asleep. Really like I need a room to be at a certain temperature if I'm going to really have, and I like to be cold when I'm sleeping, you know, really like to get under the covers and everything. I didn't do that last night. I was so tired that didn't get that air conditioning unit in this Airbnb to the right temperature. I woke up at like three in the morning and I felt like I was dying. I'm, I'm serious. I was, I was so overheated. I was terribly, I slept myself into a fever and I was drenched and I had a headache and stomach ache and everything else. And I was so, it, it like took, I was so tired that it took all of those symptoms to finally break me out of my sleep. And I was like, what am I going on? You know, I'm 53 years old. Am I having a heart attack? What is going on here? And then I started feeling the eyes like, yeah, it is a little warm in here. And so I, I chilled that thing out. I must've put that air conditioning down to like 60 degrees or something. And within like 20 minutes, I felt fine again. But while I was sleeping, I, I just, oh, I just absolutely 100% overheated myself. And uh, I am, I am somebody who, and I've been this way even as a kid, I'm a, you know, if you don't get it right, I'm going to, I'm going to sweat when I sleep. And uh, that's what happened. It was just overheating, man. I don't know the last time that that has happened. It was a little scary. It w- I have to admit, I was a little scared until I figured out what was going on. But um, once I got that thing back down to the right temperature, and it wasn't that big of a space, so it cooled down pretty fast. Man, I went right back to sleep like nobody's business. I woke up, played my round of golf. 96 degrees out there today. Felt fantastic, even though I didn't play well. So it was, it was a little weird. Um, like I said, I was a little scared. I start thinking, um, not that I have any heart issues or have any reason to worry about any heart issues or anything like that. In fact, my doctor says that, you know, uh, I, I don't have to worry about that stuff for a while, but it got me thinking. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, let me, um, uh, Peekaboo says, I need calming music, glove jazz, Jimmy Buffett. Some people are like that, Peekaboo. I get not, not arguing at all. Uh, some celebrities have been leaving their for- yeah, fortunes to charity. They have. Lisa just, I hate sleeping. It's a waste of time, obviously, and obviously it's dangerous. Um, I love sleeping, uh, even though that I'm a, you know, I don't usually go to bed till like one thirty two in the morning. I work at night a lot of times. Uh, I, but I've always been uh, a great sleeper. Uh, yeah. Hey, hey, Melody, what's going on? Good to see you. Same. I like to be cold. I like to be cold when I sleep too. I'm a sleeping ice princess. I've been where you were. You don't get to hear what I had to endure in my sophomore year in college. That's okay, Melissa. You keep it to yourself. Uh, I love sleeping when my alarm goes off. Lisa Joe making the jokes tonight. She's uh, she's here all week. Okay. All right. Let's get to uh, the content for tonight's live show um and i'm going to start 
here because this is a question that I got asked earlier today. And, um, it's, uh, it's, you know, you know, my fascination with plane crashes and everything, but, uh, Jill, you know, maybe no Jill from when I've talked about the disappearance of Paul Sanders, she and my assistant Carrie are working. I've uh, done a couple podcasts uh, together called missing chapters on Paul's disappearance. They're continuing to work on that. Jill has helped me behind the scenes. She is a licensed, uh, um, mental health professional. And although we really haven't talked about this recently, a couple times I've talked to her about understanding mental health topics, but she asked me, uh, she must, she lives near a regional airport in Arizona. And she asked me, you know, recently a couple planes have crashed at this airport. And she's asking me, is that common? And it's a very interesting question because to me, and it should be for all of you, because here in the, at least in the United States, air travel, and when we talk about air travel, we think of Southwest, United, American Airlines, Alaskan, the commercial airlines. So the ones that you're taking, uh, you know, if you're going on a vacation or you're going on business somewhere, if you're going to Europe or wherever, when it comes to that kind of travel on these big jets that hold a couple hundred people, jet engines, travel has never been safer. And in fact, here in the United States, we haven't had a, a big plane crash regarding a conventional airline, you know, a Boeing 737 or uh, MD-80 or whatever else in years. In contrast to if you were to just go back to the 1980s, you would be able to look at big crashes that happened every year. And due to the NTSB and understanding why plane crashes happen um, and maintenance and understanding uh, crew resource management, pilots and co-pilots getting along, you know, div dividing up their tasks and, um, you know, technology, all of it put together, uh, we've managed to make, and of course, other countries too, uh, have man managed to make air travel the safest that's, that it's ever been. I mean, it's really considering the millions and millions of people who get on jets every year and we don't have one crash here in the United States. I mean, it's really a feat of engineering and uh, everything put together. It really is. I give credit to all those people in that, in that industry. However, when it comes to the other kind of travel, when we start talking about little Cessna planes, like with one propellers or two propellers or private jets. My perception, I don't know what the statistics are, but I agree with Jill that it does seem that that kind of travel or dare I say people who just have a plane for pleasure to go up and, you know, fly out along the coast of the Gulf or whatever. It seems those crashes are as least as bad as they've ever been, if not worse. And so when she says, you know, I live near this little airport and they've had a couple plane crashes, is that odd? And, and to which I say, not really. And there are a couple YouTube channels on here that um, follow uh, this, these kinds of problems where you have private planes, private owners, 
going up in their planes and then crashing. And the big difference, of course, between those and our regular commercial travel is these people are, for the most part, not full-time pilots. They are lawyers who then fly a plane in their... You know, some people are into motorcycle riding, uh, and some people are into car racing, drag racing in their spare time, as I used to be at one time. And then some people have their own plane and like to go up and fly. This is the kind of people that I'm talking about. And uh, the crashes are as bad as ever. Now, why is that? Why is it that... um, you know, commercial air travel has gotten safer while it's the perception maybe is that private ownership has not gotten any safer. A lot of different reasons. A lot of different reasons. What you get into this, it's a lot of things put together. You would be amazed. One of the things that, being that I, I take an interest in this, you would be amazed on how many of these people, you know, you have to get a medical certificate for this every two years, even if you're just a private pilot, own your own plane, you'd be amazed on how many people don't do that. And if you don't do that, then you don't have your license. Well, it's kind of no different than driving a car. It's not legal to drive a car without a license, but you can do it. You can do it. Well, that's the same way when it comes to planes. That you can lose your medical... uh, if you've had a heart attack, you're supposed to because you could be unsafe. You're up there by yourself. You have a heart attack. Who knows where that plane could go? So that's why they make people get medicals. They find out if you have cancer. Are you a danger when you're fly- up there flying over everybody else? And you'd be amazed how many pilots just don't get that. They let it lapse. And meaning they – I think what happens – is that they let it lapse because they're not flying because of this issue, because of that issue. Well, it's not like riding a bike. And so you get up there, and then after a couple years, you have this plane that's just been sitting there, and then you decide one day, well, I'm going to go out for a spin up in the air. Planes are not like bicycles. Planes need constant maintenance. You can't let a plane just sit there. Planes are like cars. Cars were made to be driven. Planes are neat, are made to be flown, and you're less likely to have maintenance issues with them if they are used. It's a very weird thing about mechanical devices. And so what happens is the guy gets up there in the plane, and maybe there's water in the tank, and the engine uh, conks out, and they haven't flown in a couple years, and then they're tasked with setting a plane down somewhere without the engine working. Good luck. This happens a lot. Also, my insight tells me that, you know, of course, it's a diminishing skill. If you don't fly all the time, your skills will diminish. It's like disc golf or like ball golf, like a lot of athletic (coughs) um, pursuits, where if you're not doing it all the time, you lose your skills quickly. You have a bunch of people who've been flying for a long time, then they don't. Oh, I can still do this. They go out and get in their plane. They get up there and suddenly they get spatial disorientation in a cloud or something. And suddenly they're upside down and flying into the ground. This is common. So 
it's so to answer Jill's question that she's had two crashes at her local, what they call regional airport. I don't find that to be odd at all. Cause like I said, I follow this, you know, I, I keep track of this stuff and it's, it's shame. All of these crashes basically are preventable. What you find out is unlike maybe some of these uh, crashes with uh, commercial airlines that used to happen where it could be a mechanical issue or, or something like that. Of course, we do have a lot of pilot air in those crashes too. Almost exclusively when it comes to private planes and things, it's pilot air. It's some people who just shouldn't be up there flying and, or they are flying and they're perfectly capable to fly as long as everything absolutely goes 100% okay. But if one little issue pops up, rain, it's very windy, maybe an engine you are having engine trouble or, you know, something, and you don't know what to do with that, that's how these planes wreck. And then a lot of these uh, people, they try to fly uh, beyond their capabilities. There's a saying in flying that, you know, don't go anywhere that your mind hasn't already been 15 minutes before. So you always are planning way ahead when you're flying. And, and a lot of these people don't do that either. Just like, for example, JFK Jr. Uh, that's a perfect example of a guy going up in a plane. He was not uh, qualified to be flying at night, which is very dangerous. If you, you, know, you can easily get disoriented. A lot of crashes happen because of that. People trying to overextend themselves and lose control of the plane, even if the plane is in perfect working order. Very common. And it's very sad. And, and it's, by the way, it's the one reason that I will never get in one of those planes with anybody. <laughs> I'm flying commercial or I'm not flying at all. And I say this even though my cousin Ronnie and his son Jeremy are licensed pilots and they've never crashed or anything else. Um, no offense to them. I'm not getting in a plane with them. And they're both very good people, very capable, everything else, but still I'm not getting in a plane. With them. So Jill, I hope that answers your question. So uh, oh, just very one word. No, it's not unusual. A lot of, um, a lot of things going on out there in the flying community uh, that shouldn't be happening. People, a lot of people doing a lot of stupid stuff that they should know better adults doing things they should know better. And I think there is, could be uh, an issue that training and, and education and flying probably could be better as well. But ultimately it comes down to the person who chooses to get into that uh, plane and fly it. Ultimately. Um, wait a little, let me see here. Uh, I love sleeping when the uh, when you're over fifty. That happens to you. You turn Fred Sanford and tell Elizabeth you're coming. Uh, okay, well, so that's funny. Not even joking. Lisa Joe says hello, Marty. There's there's party Marty. Uh, we have a re in the think tank. We have a reason for calling him that. Um, um, Melissa, I really love the live show. Hard for me to catch it live, but I never miss listening to it. Thank you. Uh, I'm gonna keep doing the great work, Melissa. Thank you from Long Island. Another. Hey, Marty, there's another Long Island person there, Melissa. 
Melissa, you should know that Marty also lives out there on Long Island as well. One of the caddies died. Yeah, like I said, JFK Jr. Thank you, Kiranoff. Yeah, Kobe died in a play. There's another example. Everybody knows. Very good. Uh, Kiranoff, thank you for bringing that up. Perfect example. With a helicopter, though. That pilot should have never done that. There is no way that that helicopter should have ever taken off that day, given the conditions of flying up into uh, the clouds, getting disoriented, flies right into the ground. Should have never happened. It's a perfect example. Kierna, thank you, thank because everybody knows Kobe Bryant and how he died. Perfect example. That happens a lot, but we know about that one, of course, because Kobe Bryant was involved. But on the other hand, when you're Kobe Bryant, or anybody who's going to be getting into a plane, you should be checking these things well. You need to understand this stuff. Don't get in planes like that or helicopters when you have weather like that going on. You, as a passenger, never, ever, ever put pressure on a pilot to do something he or she does not want to do. Ever. It's a big deal. Do not have, as they say in the piloting community, get their itis. That gets people killed. But that's what happened. That pilot had pressure. Kobe needed to be at this appearance. The pilot says, I'll get you there. Something stupid happened. Something very sad. Very, very sad. It does seem like small planes have been crashing lately. Very true, Kieran. I thought, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, it became disoriented. That's right, Kat. These smaller vehicles aren't designed to be safe and sturdy as the big ones. That's true, um, Kiranov. The thing is, no matter if it's a small plane or a big plane, you hit, if you're falling out of the sky, you're dropping, you know, 7,000 feet per minute. If that, you know, no matter, it's not going to be good. Uh, crash during a gender reveal. I saw that too, uh, Marty. I saw that the problem is there's no airplane police to check your license to make sure you're speeding with your eyes. That's right. You're right. There's nobody at the airport. These little regional airports where you can just drive in. People are renting a space for the nobody there. You're right. You're right. There's no police flying around in the sky. Don't forget people in private jets choosing to find inclement weather. That's true. Um, I just saw a lazy masquerade video on YouTube that talked about this singer named Ilya. Yep. They crashed almost immediately after takeoffs because the plane was overloaded. That's right. This is common. It, these things stick out because of famous people being on the plane. But this is happening every day. Yeah, the singer didn't want to go. Come out. Posse basically made a decision for her. Yep, and now they're all dead. A friend of mine got his pilot's license and wanted me to fly with him. No way was that going to happen. Right, and the pilot of the plane was unlicensed for over two years. Saying exactly what I'm uh, saying here. Deborah, we're talking about plane crashes. Good to see you. Uh, I was watching Unfound Live for August 24th. Yeah, uh, that was uh, August 24th. Okay, heard some people get their itis. That's right. Or subs made of carbon fiber. Uh, Ilea was an American R&B singer. That's true, Lisa Joe. Charlie says, I regularly few a Cessna 152 before I turned 16 just to scare you. Well, I remember that. And I remember, uh, Charlie, your uh, your father used to have his pilot license. And, I, I, and Charlie, you know, I, I love your father. Jim is a great guy. But still, once again, 
even if he had asked, never go up in a plane with him. No offense to Jim. Uh, I just stay on the ground. I find the Paul Wellstone crash so interesting. Right, okay. I know about that one too. Yeah, there's another instance with Paul Wellstone. The guy that was piloting that plane should have never been up there, if I remember correctly. All right, so Jill, there you go. All right, let's move on uh, to some true crime stuff. Uh, No poll this week. We had the seventh anniversary episode. However, I will ask all of you this, maybe if you want to type some things out. Um, Of course, I listed what I think are the big moments of Unfound's first seven years. Uh, Did I forget any? Is there anything that sticks out to you? Once again, besides resolutions of disappearances, those are always up there. Anything besides that, though, that I might have missed? Feel free to uh, put that in the chat so I can see your answers as we continue uh, the show. But once again, some big moments, your opinion of Unfound's history. Maybe I'd really like you to try to find uh, maybe at least a few that I might have missed. I'm not perfect. Uh, So can you do that? I'll be interested. Maybe somebody can give me one that uh, really slipped by me so if you'd like to give that a shot you can do that in the chat now but yeah seven years uh hard to believe i i continue to say that never the way i started out and some of the things i did early on i mean it gave all the indications that um maybe i had an idea that i wasn't going to be around for very long and here we are seven years in. And, and you should know that it's not just like a given that if you start a true crime podcast, even despite true crime or disappearances or serial killers or whatever you want to put in that genre, despite them being people being interested in, in the topic and fascinated with the topic, there's no guarantee that you're going to be around for seven years. Uh, in fact, uh, last night during the think tank, uh, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. If you'd like to join the think tank, everybody loves it. Um, I actually brought up a couple, uh, podcasts, true crime podcasts that when started that existed when I started that I thought were fairly popular that are not on now. And one of them is of course missing uh, the Mar Murray podcast, but maybe I can understand that. But a couple other ones that I think were fairly, fairly popular that just don't exist anymore. Remember them? What? Remember the one Thin Air? Do you remember that? They uh, it was a co-host, man and woman that co-hosted it. They also did nothing but missing persons cases. Do you remember that? Uh, maybe some of you listened to that back in the day. It It's not around, and it hasn't been around for, what, maybe four years? For a while, did, did they stop doing that maybe 2019, 2018? And my perception is that, that it started before Unfound started, but not much, not um, too much, too much, uh, not, how do, we, how do you put that? Uh, too, not too much before Unfound started. You remember Thin Air? And then um, 
the other one I was that I named last night was Thinking Sideways. How many of you listened to that one? That actually had three hosts, three men or two men, one woman. And I think they covered a lot of different topics, but true crime was definitely one of the topics they covered. I think that was also a weekly uh, podcast. I, I would admit maybe I, I listened to a couple episodes, but that was it. But that podcast is not around either. And my perception was always that it was fairly popular as well. So those are a couple just off the top of my head that existed when Unfound started that aren't here anymore. I'm not, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know any of these people. I'm not criticizing them or whatever happened, but you just never know how these things can go. And so I don't know, maybe sometimes, maybe some people are thinking that making too much of the seventh anniversary. Well, I know I'm happy to make it to seven years. So uh, I'm hoping all of you are happy as well because I see, you know, all sorts of podcasts outside the true crime genre that are here today, gone tomorrow. But those are a couple in the um, in the true crime genre. Uh, uh, Deborah says she was listening to the August 28th episode. Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's okay, Deborah. Uh, thank you for uh, finding the correct one. Charlotte is saying the the college lectures that I've done, yeah, um, those are, I like those got did get listed in my list uh, from this past Friday. Uh, Marty loves the think tank. Kathy also loves the think tank. They're both in there. I appreciate uh, the support. I'm glad that you like uh, the think tank. We always have a good time on Sunday evenings. Once again, you want to join patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. Cherie says she remembers thin air. Uh, Rockford. Well, there's Rockford, 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 Rockford. What's going on? Missed you yesterday during the think tank, but you're in here tonight. Rockford says, for me, it was the Brian Schaefer episode. A ton of podcast articles covered it, but you were the first I saw to cover those friends at the Ugly Tuna who were there during Brian's uh, second visit. I see. Uh, I, I, of course, give all credit to the guest on that episode has devoted a small portion of her life to Brian's disappearance. Uh, She's one of the few people that I think has really looked into this as a, a private person who's gone about it in the right way, avoiding the sensationalism and everything. And of course that is Kelly Bruce now uh, known as Kelly coach And uh, you might, some of you might remember that I went to her wedding. Did she get married. was that last year. I think it was in 2022. She invited me to her wedding in Georgia. I went up her and there and got to meet her in person and her and her husband. It was a good time. I think that episode uh, sticks out uh, because of Kelly. Lisa Joy, I still can't believe I've been a guest on podcast. Can't imagine running one. Never mind maintaining one successfully for seven years. Uh, if every if it was easy, Lisa Joe, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> uh, I'm glad Lord Nartz is around. Yeah, of course, John. I'm guessing he got started when? 2014 or something. And he's certainly still around. Marty, I think the list you made of accomplishments was fantastic. Well, I always like, uh, it's always good to build up the guest, Marty. Remember that. But I will say a big step forward was when you started adding live videos to the interviews. I think it's very impactful. Okay. 
All right, so that maybe is something that I forgot. And uh, that was also something that was uh, Cherie's idea. <laughs> uh, maybe one of these days, Cherie's just going to start, being that she has all these such these great ideas that then I uh, take and I guess turn them into my own. Uh, maybe Cherie will start her own podcast one of these days. Huh, Cherie? It's true, right? Uh, you, you came up with the think tank idea, the update idea. The uh, using video for guests, although we don't do it all the time. It just depends using Zoom. Those are Sheree ideas, and I don't mind saying so. I came in late, so I'm assuming Malaysian Air was a banger. Uh, you know, that was a little early on in Unfound's existence, Kiernoth. Uh Maybe get some more attention now than it did in 2017. Charlotte loves the think tank. Thank you. Yeah, you got to join us one of these days, uh, Lisa Joe. Deborah, thank you for the contribution tonight. Uh, Deborah has hit the super chat button in YouTube. Thank you so much. Uh, you're very generous, Deborah. Thank you. Uh, Lord Nartz, uh, you're not talking about Lord Nartz Twinkle. Love the think tank. I look forward to it every week. I've made some good friends there. Yeah, we're all a little club there, and but we're always looking for new members. It's a little bit of a fraternity uh, slash sorority, but there's no hazing. And it's a good time. There's no, it's not clickish. Here, now the beginning of Unfound Now was a good idea as well. I'm better at listening to analysis. I like learning how to think. Thank you, Kiernoth. I appreciate that. Yeah, Unfound Now just did a recent one. Try never going to do a podcast. It's just an idea. You're the one that makes them good ideas. Oh, Sheree. Like I said, uh, it's okay to kiss up to the host. <laughs> Lisa Joe uh, says she's obnoxious, everything. I just love watching Ed the rock star. I am not a rock star. Uh, hopefully that's acceptable in the think tank. It is. Ups- it is. Ups- uh, we, as long as everybody keeps everything PG, it's acceptable. All right, let's move on to this. And it, it, it's amazing how this happens. I do an update episode and within days of it coming out, And it's just not an update. It's like a big deal type of update. And that happened back in April. Of course, right after the April update came out, all the news about Bowman uh, became public. And so now there is this. And we have to remember these, their disappearances are over 20 years old. And really, there hasn't been a ton of new news. Maybe they bring it up just kind of... uh, Reminding everybody that these disappearances happened. But this is a a, a big deal. Susan and Natasha Carter. This is from Mabscott, West Virginia. Larry Webb, remember him? Larry Webb's Mabscott home is the focus of an FBI search for two missing persons. 41-year-old Susan Carter and 10-year-old daughter Natasha Carter. That was their ages at the time of the disappearance. Uh, known to families, Alex. The two were last seen in Beckley on August 8th, 2000. According to information provided by the FBI, Susan and Alex's father won a heated custody battle. Susan and Alex were living in Webb's house when they disappeared. And you remember that Alex's slash Natasha's father was the guest. We were married, I think, and this is now Larry Webb, who... You know, it was talked about during that episode, and that's an episode that came out last year. Uh, we were married, I think, said Webb, who is now in his 80s on Thursday, August 31st, 2023. So 
just a few days ago. Webb's caretaker, Terry Lilly, cautioned that Webb's memory is failing now because of dementia. Webb said he remembered being romantically involved with Susan when she and Alex went missing, but can't remember the day that they disappeared. I can't remember, he said, but I love the little girl with all my heart, and I love Susan with all my heart. Webb said he thinks he was away on a trip when the mother and daughter disappeared. He said he believes he can remember calling the police when the two were missing and later taking a polygraph test and meeting with police in Charleston and Beckley, West Virginia. Lily said around that time, agents who also came to Webb's Mapscott home with a search warrant and removed a section of wall in a bedroom. And here's what the caretaker, Terry Lilly, had to say. Months later, they showed up after DNA testing and said blood on a bullet that was in the wall had belonged to the girl. And the blood had went down to the base of the wall, and they said DNA showed it belonged to the girl. So Natasha slash Alex. How about that? Now, you should know this is not something that... um, uh, Natasha's father ever said to me either publicly or privately. I don't remember that. I don't think it's in my notes, anything. So, but this is the caretaker uh, talking. But the weird thing is that was she his caretaker 20 years ago or when they did this? Uh, So I don't know if we're supposed to believe this or not, but FBI nor FBI nor West Virginia State Police officials have confirmed Lily's report, nor have they offered details about the investigation. According to Lily, FBI agents returned to the house and executed another search warrant on Wednesday. So this is just full five days ago. On August 30th, 2023, Lily said police took away tile in the basement floor. Webb insists he did not harm Susan and Alex and that he doesn't know what happened to them. To give him a little more uh, of a background on this disappearance, I don't know um, how well all of you remember that episode from last year, but Natasha's father, he called her Alex, um, was the guest. I had gotten to know him for a while, maybe three or four years before he was actually on. And... One of the things that came out is that, according to this guy, um, that let me just um, did not let me look this up very quickly. So I don't. His name's Rick Lafferty. Rick. But what Rick said was that when he finally did talk to Larry Webb, Webb back at the time of these disappearances, if you'll remember, Larry said that Natasha and Susan went off with two Hispanic men. And gave like the names of Luis and and Hector or something. But then when Rick talked to Larry later, the names of the men had changed. And that, of course, made Rick very uh, suspicious. I think it would make us all suspicious regarding this. Now, of course, if you're once again going back to the episode, if you remember it, Rick did say, you know, Susan... You know, she was a little wild, and that's one of the reasons they weren't a couple anymore. And she had gotten her, I think she had some addictions, and a, you know, and it was just kind of a little bit of trouble. And uh, I even asked Rick about this, and uh, dare I say he was a little more than blunt 
in that interview about why he and Susan uh, met and had a relationship in the first place, but you know, they were together and he claims that she was driving him nuts. Of course, we're only getting one side of the story, but that is uh, in general, the disappearance. If you, you know, I'm not here to get into every minute detail of what we covered last year, but if this disappearance is unfamiliar to you, if you're new to unfound, I would, now that there is this news out there regarding this, I would go back and um, go find that episode. Uh, Like, for example, Marty, I know, um, you know, you're working your way, like Rockford, I know you're working your way up through the catalog of Unfound from the beginning. I know that takes a while. It may be time to jump ahead uh, to that episode, being that this news has come out just as a suggestion for anybody else watching or listening. I don't, I, I don't know what to make of this. Uh, you know me that um, I'm not one of these people who, when you hear something that you want it to believe it to be true, just because it fits in with your thinking, this does fit in with my thinking, but it's almost a little too perfect. And this is, as I've said many times, I'm very much a cynic about things. Uh, and when it comes to human behavior and everything, I am certainly a myth and misanthrope. All right, you can look that up in the dictionary if you don't know what that min- means. Certainly. Cynical misanthrope. Good guy. But that's who I am. And so when I ha- hear a story like this, I think, wow, that's fantastic. But then I th- start thinking... That's just a little too dang convenient. It's just a little too pat, a little too tidy. Uh, And so I have to admit, I'm not going to automatically say that what this caregiver is saying is the truth. She could be saying anything. She could be saying this so Larry gets in trouble and gets taken away so she can have his house. Or maybe, you know, as we know happens in so many situations like this, uh, when you have an older person with dementia, they have some caregiver who is not a family member and that caregiver is ripping the person off. Maybe she wants Larry out of the way for that reason or something. I'm always willing to look at all these different angles before I buy into a, you know, something that, is allegedly true, even if it goes along with my own thinking. I could certainly believe that Larry shot Natasha Natasha and Susan. Certainly can believe it. There's nothing to dispute that. But to believe that he shot them and left a bullet in the wall <laughs> stretches my imagination a little bit for all these years, for you know, 20 years it really, really, really stretches my imagination. So please keep that mind. It very well may end up being true. But this this is how I look at it. So what is everybody uh, here saying? Um, uh, Rockford says, hate to miss the think tank, but had a party yesterday. You and Marty... Uh, all you two do is go to parties, Rockford. What? I want to live Rockford and Marty's lives. 
all these parties. Well, funny thing is that Schaefer is one of the few cases where I strongly disagree with your theory, but it got me hooked. I just lured you right in, didn't I, Rockford? Also, it's the case that led me to suggest to Reggie that we approach you about Fleischman. Oh, interesting. That is interesting, Rockford. Full credit to Reggie for doing the actual work. Uh, Rockford and uh, Marty were parties yesterday, but not the same party. Um, Charlotte, but men lie. Boyfriends and husbands, they do. Everybody lies, Charlotte. Um, Rockford has uh, a two and a four and a two-year-old. Wow. Okay. Uh, Kathy says, Jose and Manuel. That's what Larry said. One at a time per Larry. Larry with his changing accounts of what happened. Certainly. Uh, sup, that must be Jill. Sup, Jill. I was, I answered your question, Jill, earlier about regional airport crashes. You'll have to go back and listen to that. Uh, Marty says he's almost into 2022 episodes. We are coming up then on Susan and Tasha Carter. Um, Marty, uh, Jill says, I agree once past five. Okay. They're talking about kids. That's, uh, not a very good topic for me. Um, yeah, everybody talking about kids. All right. So that is the Tatasha and Susan Carter update. It happened once again, right after the update episode, which means that I'm going to have to remember this. I'm going to have to put this down somewhere and not forget it when it's on the next update episode in December. That's how it works. If you ever wondered how these update episodes happen, that's how it works. When something happens like this, it goes into a file, and then I go to that file when I'm ready to do the next update episode. And because I, you know, otherwise, I don't know how uh, we're over 300 disappearances now. I just there's no way to me for me to mentally keep track of all of the updates and things that are happening. So this is one that we'll have to sit there in that file until the end of December uh, after Christmas. So that's it. Like I said, I, I would urge all of you to not jump to any conclusions regarding this. I've not talked to Rick yet. I, hopefully I will, but been a little busy. But I would not I would not say, man, they got him. Oh, they're going to find Susan and Tasha. They're going to figure this all out. I would really, really limit your expectations on this. Because you really have to think this through. Does this make, make sense? I don't, it's not impossible. It certainly could believe that he shot them, bullet went through, stuck in the wall, and he said the heck with it. Certainly possible. Seems unlikely. Seems unlikely. Now, if the, you know, if this had happened last year, okay. Or if he was living with somebody else and he was limited in what he could do in his house, somebody's going to be suspicious of him removing a, a wall or a piece of paneling or something. Okay. That was not the situation here. So I would temper your expectations for now. Okay. I'm going to answer the next question. And um, this is from a guy named Bill. And I don't think he's ever answered, asked a question uh, before, but you should know who he is. Um, uh, I've, I don't know if I've really talked about him, but I have a friend, Dave, from college, who you might remember last year when I went and played at PGA Worlds, PDGA Worlds in Illinois. I stayed with him. We went to college together. Uh, he grew up in the, in the Natrona Heights 
area of um, Pennsylvania. I went to Leechburg, really not that far away from each other, but we did not know each other until we went to college together. And we continue to be friends 30 years later. Uh, Bill is married to Dave's younger sister. But um, Bill wants me to answer, who do you think will be called to testify in the Charlie Adder- Adelson trial? May- Some of, first of all, I need to explain who Charlie Adelson is. And I have to admit that I thought this trial was over, but this all still has to do with the murder of Dan Markell from like nine years ago. Remember that? Um, Dan Markell, professor at Florida State University. He had dropped his kids off at school or daycare or something. He came home, was shot in the garage of his home. So, And he was on the phone. He said somebody was standing outside his house. He pulled into the garage. Seemingly, this person followed into his garage, shot him through the window of his car, killed him. And it took a little while. But finally, these people were caught. And it seems that this murder was hatched by his ex-wife's family. Remember, this is all maybe coming back to some of you now. And you should know that I followed uh, the murder of Dan Markell very closely back when it happened. I think it was 2014. Of course, this was like two years before Unfound ever started. But took an interest in it. So odd. Guy comes home. You know, it kind of sounds like these people knew that he was coming home. When do you hear about a situation? Guy pulls into his garage and person follows him into the open garage. You know, the garage door is open and shoots him through the window of his car. Very unusual. And it turned out that this did have something to do with um, a custody issue after Dan and his wife got divorced. She wanted to take the kids and move back to South Florida. He didn't want to let her do that makes all the sense in the world. They lived up there together in the panhandle. That's where he had his job. And now that they're divorced, you know, she wants to move back down to Southern Florida. And you should know it's like uh what an eight, nine, 10 hour drive from Miami up into the panhandle. You don't realize how long Florida is until you drive it. But so the murder of uh, Dan Markell allowed her and the kids to move to, to down to Miami, South Florida. Eventually, police figured this out. Well, Charlie Adelson, Adelson, A-D-E-L-S-O-N, is Dan Markell's ex-wife's brother. And it is believed he is the guy who started this whole scheme. He knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, and they all got together to hatch this plan. You should also know, though, that Dan Markell's ex-wife has never been charged with anything. She has been questioned over and over and over. She said that she had no idea that her family was doing this. And that goes with her parents as well. The question is, do we believe this? And so going back to Bill's question, who do you think will be called to testify in the Charlie Adelson trial? Well, I have to believe, Bill, that um, maybe some of Now, you should know, some other people have already been con- convicted. Of course, the two guys who actually were there that day and were took part in killing Dan... And then the woman who hired them has also been convicted. So anybody who's gone to trial so far has been convicted. And so now we have Charlie Adelson, who uh, is going to be going on trial. Like I said, 
I thought he had already gone on trial. Like I said, I've not been paying as close to attention to it, mainly because it's not a disappearance. But he's going to be going on trial in October, uh, late October into November. I'm guessing probably that these other people might testify. Maybe they got uh, some kind of deal to uh, to testify because surely these other people did not hatch this plan. Now, I'm guessing that Charlie Adelson's defense is going to be, you know what? Yes, I did talk to him. Yes, I was there about what mad about Dan and everything else, but in no way. Did I ever hatch some plan that, you know, that I wanted Dan murdered or something? Now, I'm not saying any of you have to believe that. I'm not saying I believe that. But my guess is that is what is going to probably be the defense here. The, yes, I did mention to this woman, but I was in with a fit of anger and whatever else. And they somehow got the idea that I really, really wanted Dan dead, which wasn't the case. So I would, I would guess that these other people who have been convicted are, are, are going to be asked to testify. Now, what may, might make this interesting is if Charlie's sister, Dan's ex-wife, is called to testify. Now, what I think I know is that here's what I think I know. Surely, 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 surely. When Dan was shot in his, in the garage of his house, uh, his wife and the kids were not living there anymore. They were sharing custody. She was living somewhere else. Surely, when Dan was murdered, his ex-wife had to think something was up. Okay, she had to think that. Either that, she's just the most naive, stupidest person on the planet. But here's the key. She never did go to police. Now, you know, and that's, that's one thing that still sticks with me. Sticks with me. Can I see a situation where a sister's complaining about her ex-husband that complaining, 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 and then the brother decides, well, I'm going to help my sister out? Yes. And uh, given that I have a sister, of course, her son Charlie is in the chat tonight, uh, and she's, you know, she and Jim, actually, they're coming up on their 50, 50th wedding anniversary, and I will be attending this December. But no offense to my sister, Diane. But if she had an ex-husband and she was complaining, 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 complaining about him, I can tell you for sure that I would not be hatching a plan to kill him. I'd be like, sis, you know what? Real sad about that, but sorry, I can't help you. <laughs> no, <laughs> unfortunately, I can't speak for my other two brothers, though. <laughs> but... um. I don't think that Dan Markell's ex-wife is stupid. I don't think she's naive. I think that when Dan got murdered, she probably knew exactly what happened, even if she didn't hatch it. But she didn't go to police. And so because of that, I think that I'm – even if she's never charged with anything, I think I'm always going to think that you know it was a wink-wink, nudge-nudge 
type of thing where they're talking about it and she kind of just threw it out there like, we know I wouldn't exactly be sad if somebody killed him or made him disappear. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, brother. I would, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be saddened by that. And then all of a sudden it happens. My guess is that's probably what happened. Is that criminal? I don't know. I don't know. But it would be interesting if she's called to testify. Um, You know, like I said, I've not followed it that closely. I don't know if she's testified in the other trials or not. But... You know, I have gotten the feeling, once again, when this all came out and all these people were charged, it's been years now, by the way. I I mean, I think that these people have been in custody or charged, you know, even well before COVID happened. There were some years where it was unsolved, and but, you know, it's been a while. And I'm guessing that the prosecution would really, really, really love to be able to show that the ex-wife had something to do with it and even her parents. And I, maybe that's the forgotten part of all of this that, um, could at least one of the parents had something to do with. Once again, they've not been charged with anything either right now. It's, uh, and I think it's mainly because it's Charlie Adelson who had the connection to these other people that ended up with these two guys up in Tallahassee that day. Not not the ex-wife, not the parents. So um, so that's my answer, Bill. Uh, I would expect uh, the people have already been convicted to testify, and it would be really, really interesting if the ex-wife got called to the stand by, I guess, the prosecution, if um, maybe the parents got called as well. We shall see. I can't really predict how closely I'll be following it, but I'm guessing some of you out there will be following it. Maybe it even be on court TV. I really, I really don't know. I really don't know. Um, let's see what everybody else is saying about this. Uh, Charlotte says, I believe that her whole family was involved in the plot. All right. So Charlotte's, uh, Charlotte's saying whole kitten caboodle here. As my grandma, Emma used to say the kitten caboodle. I don't know what that means, but uh, Charlotte say everybody in the ex-wife's family, including the ex-wife knew what's going on. Uh, Marty says the fact she is sa- she's saying she knew nothing is pretty hard to believe. Yeah, Kathy, Marty. Um, okay, I agree, Marty. One of the things, one of the guys met with the mom of the wife to tell her he needed more money, and they got that on tape. Is that right, Charlotte? Okay, well, I wonder then why the parents haven't been charged. Um, Charlotte says something that triggers me about the mind is the subconscious mind. Uh, yeah, it's true. Especially when we uh, never get into this on the live show, but I have such crazy, crazy dreams. And that's supposed to be like your subconscious mind at work. It's crazy. Um, uh, Marty says, I don't see how she could not have known what was going on. It's crazy. I, I think that's the way all of us would be. I think that, you know, if you know we're having a bad something going on in our life, you know we want um, 
you know, uh, pr- promotion or something and just something like the weirdest thing happens. You start wondering, you know, did I have something to do with this? Did I put something in motion here uh, that kind of got out of my control? Um, you know, I, I, you know, I know that some, you know, we're not supposed to look gift horses in the mouth as the saying goes, but you know, I know the way my life has gone. <laughs> That's if something like this went on and something criminal, and I knew that I didn't have anything to do with it, but it benefited me in some way. I don't know. You pick something. I don't know. I would start really looking at what I've done and what I've said to people that, that, you know, could somebody have taken this the wrong way or something? I really didn't want anything bad to happen to that person, even though if that person did something did happen, I would benefit, but I really didn't want that to happen. And then I started thinking about it and I would start thinking, you know, I think I would go to the police. I think I would. And I would say, here's the deal. I think I would. I'd want it on I want it recorded and everything so you know nothing gets misconstrued. I would go in there saying, I want this on video, I want it recorded. Um I think I would. But she didn't do that. The ex-wife did not do that. And so that's always, even if she's never charged with anything and she lives to be 150. I think that's always going to be out there. I, I think that that is um, unavoidable. Uh, Kitten caboodle means everything. I know it does, Kathy. I just don't know where that saying started. Is that Shakespeare or something? I don't know. Um, you, everyone hit the like button. Yes, AB801, member of this channel for seven months. AB801, thank you so much. Good to see you. Um AB801, I don't think I've seen you in the chat before, uh, but uh, thank you. Uh, 801, is that the area code? I know 801 is Utah. I just know that. Uh, is that where you are, AB801? Or maybe it's August 1st. AB801, that could be AB August 1st, which of course is my birthday. That would be fascinating, AB801. Marcus says, thoughts on the Lady of the Dunes case being closed? Um, oh, it's Alec. Hello, Alec. That's who you are. And it is Salt Lake City. All right, Alec. How are you doing? Good to see you. Um, Marcus's thoughts on the lady of dude's case. You know, Marcus, I, I didn't put it on the agenda tonight. Um, but I did read the article. I, 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 maybe I can get into that next week. Maybe a little deeper, Marcus. Uh, I think all I can say is I'm not surprised that her husband killed her. Um, nobody necessarily, uh, should be surprised by that. That's it's a, uh, you know, uh, Marcus says, I know you're a long time follower of unfound, you know, what do we keep saying? This is one of the reasons that, uh, I default so often to men in the women's lives. It's just amazing that, I mean, what, um, forensics is showing us going back to the 80s and 70s and 60s primarily, is that these these married women who went missing, who were murdered, husbands did it. They just couldn't prove it back then because they didn't have the science. And we should remember that. 
And you know, I guess my perception is that in most of these cases, maybe these men were thought to have murdered these women anyway, but police couldn't prove it. But now we know. And we have to use that when looking at disappearances in 2023. And although we may have the occasional wife killed by somebody else, I think still, uh, no matter if there's never any claims of domestic abuse or anything else, it pays to get to know that husband, that boyfriend, as well as possible. And so I guess what I'm saying here is science continues to prove something that we suspect already. Then a lot of these women's murders, the husbands did it. Um, but, you know, like I said, I just really did not, had not even heard of that case until it popped up in the news recently, Marcus. Uh, Charlotte has been tricked by it. Uh, thank you, Charlotte. Uh, Alec, I want to make it up. Uh, SLCB's game, beautiful city and state. It is, Utah is a beautiful state. And I have to tell you, I haven't even been down to Monument. Even though I lived in Las Vegas, I never did go over to Monument Valley and all that area. Stupid me. Uh, relationships are a killer. That's why I'm single, Marty. No, that's not why I'm single. But uh, the relationships are a killer. Or as I wrote on my private page, Marty, there was um, a story about uh, a wife trying to kill her husband or maybe successfully did so. And you know what my saying is, Marty, you can't have a wife kill you if you don't have any. Remember that. Remember that. So uh, uh, that, that answers that. What do I want to go to next? Uh, just maybe a few unfound things. Of course, the most recent Unfound Now episode came out. Andrew Griffin, he was in a company truck, was supposed to be driving from Oklahoma to Texas, never made it to Texas. Uh, as I stated in my analysis at the end, what makes me doubt that he ran off, he really, he really ran off with his company truck. If he was looking to start a new life somewhere, would he really do that? And in addition, what are the odds that at the point that he was talking to his boss, he boss, he just happened to be going over the river or a river? Just want to remind anybody, and this is not to denigrate any missing person that we've ever covered on Unfound. We cover things factually here. We don't ignore things here. The truth is, as we've learned, a lot of missing people lie. They lie for lots of different reasons. But we can never take what they're saying at face value. We cannot automatically trust them. We feel horrible for their families. We feel horrible. That will always be the situation. But when it comes to the missing persons themselves, we just have too many instances where people lie. They don't want to be found. Maybe they don't even know what they're saying. You just don't know. So... You know, and then you add in Andrew Griffin, these business partners got murdered. Um, what do all of you think on that? So that is out. Now, a uh, reminder that uh, Dr. Telesco and I will be getting together on September 14th, 
Still not sure if I'm going down there or not. I'll have to talk to her about that maybe tomorrow. Um, but we are going to be discussing on her live show on Thursday, September 14th, the disappearance of Tyler North. That is a trial that's coming up. And uh, kind of uh, Dr. Telesco and I kind of resolved to uh, cover more of these disappearances that have been solved. So that is um, why uh, we'll be discussing Tyler North, even though we have uh, not gotten to the trial yet. Also, I'm going to be making an appearance at Florida Southern College over there in Lakeland. I was there a year ago. I'll be going back, although with a different pro- professor. I'll be in the same classroom, but different professor. Um, September 20th, I'll be doing my presentation again. All excited about that. And uh, I'm wondering for all of you, um, YouTube and Patreon supporters, what did you think of the resolved episode where I went through all of the unfound disappearances that have been somewhat resolved? Now, you should know, for all of you who are not yet Patreon or YouTube supporters, so what I did was I made a special episode that only YouTube members, you have to hit the join button below or become a Patreon member to watch it or listen. That's the only way you get access where I went through all 27 disappearances that Unfound has covered that have been somewhat to one degree or another resolved. I talk about all of them and why it happened. But you should know I'm also going to be doing one for all of the Unfound Nows. So be looking for that in the next couple weeks, and that will be available uh, to everyone. In fact, I might even make that a special podcast episode to go through all of those because, you know, I do all these updates and maybe sometimes it gets unclear after a while, well, which ones have been resolved, which ones are going to get updates, which ones haven't had anything been going on with them at all. So I'm finally doing this with seven years coming for the first resolved episode for all of the podcast episodes. But I'm going to do one for the Unfound Nows, too, because we've covered like 37 or 38 of those now. And quite a few of them have been resolved. But you, all of you who have listened or watched every one of them, you may be unclear on which ones have been resolved and which ones are still unsolved, which ones the missing people have not been found yet. So within the next couple of weeks, I'm going to work on that. So be looking for that. Probably, like I said, as a uh, an additional podcast episode, you might get two episodes on a Friday or something like that. Haven't figured that out quite yet. Let's see what uh, the bees. Um, uh, Alec is talking about the bees. Words of wisdom, Ed. Yep, a wife can't kill you, or an ex-wife can't kill you if you don't have any. Uh, Peekaboo says I'm safe or single. Uh, I just listened to that for a second time today. Very interesting case. Tyler North, maybe Marty, uh, Scarlett. Thank you so much. Uh, she's saying I watched thin air. You did. Okay. So you were a thin air listener. Interesting Scarlett and wish they still posted. You know, I, I don't know what happened to it. It's been, you know, it's been some years now. I don't, didn't know the host, never had any communication with them, even though they were kind of doing the same thing. Um, don't know what happened there. 
And I, you know, I don't even remember if they even said that was their last episode, being that you were a listener. Did they even do that, Scarlett? Did they even say, you know what? We're coming up on our final episode. I don't even know. Uh, Charlotte, Ed, did you cover the Bethany Markowski disappearance? Have not? No, have not. Uh, okay, Marty, thank you. Oops, please allow me to cover up being behind on Resolved with a compliment. You have so much great content that I do find myself needing to catch up sometimes. We'll listen this week. Yeah, I, you know, Rockford, it's uh, you're not the first person to tell me that. I'm all about the content. And um, it, it that may be my, like my rock and roll heavy metal background speaking there, Rockford, because uh, I know how old you are, Rockford. We're old enough to remember when you know, albums would come out, but then, you know, the album might be released in Japan or in Europe and it would have like different songs or a different order or a different B-side. And, you know, they were always doing different marketing type of things and different songs in different locations and everything. I don't know if it's maybe just um, my, uh, that kind of uh, coming out in me or something, but you know, on the other hand, when you have 370 episodes almost and you've covered over 300 disappearances, there's a lot of different things you can do. You know, there's a lot of content. And just to remind everybody, you think, you know, seven years, you know, how significant is that? Seinfeld, the show, was seven years. Now, Friends ran for longer than that. Cheers ran for longer than that. Uh, of course, Law & Order, a lot of TV shows. But if you're a Seinfeld fan... I think it had like seven seasons, seven or eight seasons. That's it. So Unfound is last just about as long as Seinfeld now it has. Now, if I only had Seinfeld money, now that might make it interesting. Um, but Charlotte says, how are your singing lessons going? Ed? They're going fantastically. Uh, Charlotte, the only thing I would say is I do not do uh, my singing lessons on talk days. So on Sundays for the for the Think Tank, Mondays for Unfound Live, this show, I've discovered I can't do the singing lessons in that. It just wears my voice out too much. It just does. So I'm doing them five days a week, and they're progressively getting uh, longer and more difficult. And in fact, I'm going to be adding... Um, According to the plan that I'm following, I'm adding a new uh, addition on at the at at the end. So um, they're going well. I'm, I've certainly seen improvement. Certainly, long way to go to where I want to get to be, but I'm definitely seeing that improvement. Uh, it's it's no different than learning an instrument to get good at it. You know, it's not you know, uh, going to take overnight, even like Eddie Van Halen practiced for years and years and years before anybody knew, uh, who he was. Uh, Hazel says I'm a big Seinfeld fan. Sure. He says thin air at a pre preemie and needed to focus on that. According to Reddit. Oh, so Sheree's looking this up. So thin air, um, were the hosts a couple, were they? Um, but they had a preemie baby. I can understand why that would need a lot of attention, of course. Uh, what is the think tank? Is there a link? Peekaboo, you need to be a Patreon member to be a part of the think tank. Patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast and sign up at the $12 a month level 
or above to be in the think tank. Patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. Of course, you get a lot of other things besides the think tank at that level. But uh, you can see here in the chat tonight, the people who are member there, our members there love it. It's the only uh, one of its kind where people get together every week in a very private group to discuss a disappearance in depth. We do that every week. Rockford says, speaking of music, I just saw Metallica, Pantera, and Mammoth in L.A. last Friday. And for our new friend, Scarlett, great screen name, one of my favorite songs. Um, You know, the thing is, Rockford, um, not a Pantera fan. I, I listen to Metallica, but I prefer Megadeth. And I'm really not that much into to, uh, Eddie Van Halen's son's band that much either, to be honest. But I hope you had a great time. My next concert, by the way, if everybody wants to know, is coming up in a couple weeks. I'm so excited for it. Ingve Malmsteen and Glenn Hughes. So Ingve opens up. Of course, guitar virtuoso. Um had that song in the 1980s with Joey Lynn Turner, uh, Heaven Tonight. Remember that song? It was a big song, like about 1985 or 86. And then Glenn Hughes, who was in Deep Purple um, and actually is a singer on one of my favorite rock song of all time called Burn by Deep Purple off their Burn album. He and Ingve are coming here over. It's I can almost see the theater from where I live. It's right over there in Clearwater in a couple weeks. I'm really excited about that. So that's the, my next concert. Um, you're welcome, Peekaboo, Marty O'Man, Rockford. Uh, Peekaboo sounds like right up my alley. Well, Peekaboo would love to have you there. Uh, Charlotte says, I like Wolfgang's band. Okay, cool. Uh, so what else? Um All right, I want to read this. I got a half hour. Oh, I got a couple questions too. Maybe I got to answer one of these questions. I don't want to leave anybody hanging. Um, Kathy, not the Kathy in this uh, chat tonight, but a different Kathy asked me um, kind of uh, the the same question. I know, you know, I've gotten this before, but uh, she's not asked a question before. So I, I felt like I needed to answer it. Kathy asked me, I know you would like every case to be solved, of course, but one that keeps you up at night. I I know this is kind of irrelevant, but for me, Kaylee Anthony will forever bother me. This is what Kaylee is saying, or Kathy is saying. Um, You know, Kathy, I really, you're right. Uh, Every case is equal to me. Are there ones in Unfound's catalog that are more perplexing to me than others? Yes. But um, you should know, though, I mean, I, you're probably just saying this figuratively. There's none of them that really bother me. I'm bothered by all of them. I'm bothered by all of them. But there's nothing really that eats at me or anything uh, like that. But, you know, if there, you know, is there one, you know, I tried to think, is there anything outside of unfounds you know the coverage that we've done that i would like to see be solved uh kathy if you're out there listening or watching what i would say is 
Um, oh my gosh, I just blanked on her name. Uh, hold on a second. I just blanked on her name. I can't. It's it's been a long weekend, folks. Um, the one that I would like to see solved, just to see. Uh, hold on. Uh, I would, the one that continues to, you know, just really, I, you know, maybe in my spare time, I spend, you know, a little time thinking about it. Missy Beavers. I really want to know if that was a targeted shooting or targeted attack. Wasn't a shooting, I guess. Was it a targeted attack? Or was she just in the wrong place at the wrong time? I would really, really want to know who that person is on that video. Of course, that's never going to be an unfound episode because it's not a disappearance. But Kathy, if I could name something outside, you know, that, you know, I can be a little, uh, you know, I can maybe pick something out and uh, use a superlative, I guess. That would be the one. Missy Beaver's. Uh, murdered in that church. And I would want to know, is that person who is in that gear a man or a woman? Is it targeted? What exactly was going on there? That's the one. There you go. So that answers your question, hopefully, Kathy. The other question I got, I'm just going to get these out of the way. Um, before I, I do want to cover one, uh, news story, uh, because it's a disappearance that made national news now. And Charlotte, you're in here, Charlotte, you had asked me this week and I, last week, and I did not forget. Hi, Ed. What do you think about Terrence Williams and Felipe Santos, Felipe Santos, who went missing years ago in 2003 and 2004 in Naples after bringing it last being seen with the same police officer? Yeah, Charlotte. See, I remembered. I, I I have to say I don't think that there's any doubt that this Collier County deputy Stephen Calkins did something to these guys. Um, the tough part to understand, and uh, is that. If this was racially motivated, now you should know, Stephen Calkins, white guy. Philippe Santos, Hispanic, and in the United States without the proper paperwork. And then you have Terrence Williams, who was uh, a black man who had a criminal record. And in fact, there were war- there was at least one warrant out for his arrest. Okay. So if you want to say white guy makes two uh, minorities disappear, this very well could be very, 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 very uh, racially motivated, certainly. Now, what's hard to understand, though, is that I'm sure that in Stephen Calking's work, and he had been a police officer for 17 years before this happened, that he ran across plenty of people like Felipe and Terrence, I'm not going to say every day, but every week. And though, although I'm open to the idea, maybe there are other disappearances that, he, that Stephen Calkins is responsible for that we don't know about. I'm certainly open to that. 
but surely most of the Hispanic guys and most of the black men who ran into Stephen Calkins did not disappear. So what was it about Felipe Santos on October 1st, 2003, that Stephen Calkins said, you know what? I'm going to make this guy disappear. And then what was it two, three months later, three and a half months later, where the same thing went on with Terrence Williams? This is the stuff that gets to me. I don't know if other people, when they, they think about this stuff, but this is the way I think about it. Why? Because this is, this is kind of how the way disappearances go. You know, how many disappearances have we covered where just go, you know, talking a, you know, a little bit ago about how husbands make their wives disappear. Well, what, what do we also know though? And a lot of these times, these guys have been married four times and only one of their wives went missing. The other three are still out there. Now he might've abused them. He might've uh, hit them. He might've done this, then that, everything else, but they're still alive out there. And then this particular one wife went missing. We might think about uh, the disappearance of Rhonda Smith. She was engaged to that guy. She goes missing in what, the 1980s or whenever it was. He ends up marrying another woman and they've been married ever since. Although he had been married before Rhonda came along. So these, this is, I, I wish I understood this part of it more. What went on with uh, Deputy Calkins and Felipe Santos on that day? Now, I'm going to say that I'm going to just guess that Felipe did not initiate this. This is something that Calkins initiated. I'm going to say that this is something Calkins initiated with Terrence Williams as well. But why them? I think if we knew this we would have a much better understanding regarding human behavior and maybe a lot of these other disappearances would make uh, more sense. Because as I have in my notes, once again, answering your question, uh, continuing to answer your question, Charlotte, and I see you in the chat, uh, there's no way Calkins could have predicted running into either of these, those guys those days. Those were chance encounters. As I have written here, Calkins probably ran into many people who were here without the paperwork and to many minorities and many people with warrants. Those people didn't go missing. And, you know, what's also perplexing is if Calkins caused Williams' disappearance, he did it after having a close shave with Santos. And in addition, Felipe Santos wasn't even alone that day. He was with his brother and somebody else. He was driving a car without a license, without insurance. Uh, Calkins let the two other guys go, and he took Felipe Santos away. So even, I mean, he did this even though these other people saw him with Felipe. Uh, you know, uh, this is just stuff that, um, I, I, I can, once again, I can certainly believe that Calkins caused both these disappearances. It's just hard to understand why these two guys on these two days when probably probably ran ran in his 17-year career, he ran a lot across a lot of Felipe's and Terrence's. So that's my opinion on it, uh, Charlotte. It is very confusing. It is. It is very confusing, Charlotte. Uh, I'm just telling you what confuses me the most. 
Uh, Rockford says, not a Pantera fan either, but they were better than expected. Glenn Hughes, also former Black Sabbath. That's true. Love the Montonio Oma's solo album. My next show is Death Cab for Cutie. Never listened to a song. Um, uh, Kathy says, I believe wrong place, wrong time for Missy Beavers. Rockford said, I've been convinced the Beavers was not targeted. It looks like the perp was casing more than the church. Uh, Charlotte says, Kathy, uh, Charlotte thinks that Missy Beavers was a targeted murderer. Uh, looked like the person on the camera regarding Missy was looking for stuff to steal. That's true. Rockford that there's racially motivated. And then there's race as a contributing factor. I think Williams Santos is the latter. Okay. The reason I suspect the policeman is because he lied so much. He did. He was shown to have lied both with Felipe and Terrence. And uh, he was fired, but Calkins has not answered for any of this, and these remains have not been found yet, if these men are even deceased, I should say. Charlotte says, Chris from the interview room went through the B- Missy Beavers case about a year ago. He looked at all the rooms in the church, et cetera. Uh, what conclusion did he come to, Kathy? Rockford must mention Aaron Stoner's fine work on the Be- Beavers case. If his most recent video on the case strikes me as a stretch, Although I just dismiss his conclusion. Um, I know Aaron Stoner. Don't know. Maybe watched a couple of his videos. Kathy Rockford, I've watched Aaron's videos for Stephen Kocher, but not Missy. We'll have to check that out. All right. Here we are advertising other people's shows on this live show. See how giving we are? Don't you see? All right. Um, So those were the questions tonight. So let me go back to this. New York Governor Kathy Hockel has directed the state police to investigate the 50-year-old disappearance of a teen couple that headed to one of the biggest concerts in rock history. Senator Chuck Schumer has also asked the FBI to look into the case. A recent Rolling Stone investigation exploring what happened to 16-year-old Mitchell Weiser and 15-year-old Bonnie Bickwit. That's an interesting name, Bickwit. Two Brooklyn teens who set out for the 600,000-person Summer Jam concert on July 27, 1973. This was not Woodstock. This was a few years later. Senator Schumer's office has raised the article with the FBI and asked that they assess how they can best help support the state and local authorities. The news comes after family and friends of Weiser and Bickwit called for the creation of a multi-agency task force following decades of police incompetence malfeasance, and neglect. I'm going to come back to that. Governor Hockle has directed the New York State Police to work with the Sullivan County Sheriff's Office and all law enforcement agencies previously involved in the investigation into the disappearance of Bonnie Bickwit and Mitchell Weiser, spokesman. We hope all this will work. We'll uncover new leads or overlooked information that will help solve this case and give their families and friends the answers they deserve. Among the first tangible steps... Uh, the state police will coll- collaborate with the county sheriff and the Division of Criminal Justice Services Missing Persons Clearinghouse to conduct a meticulous review of all case files and present the case to the Clearinghouse Cold Case Panel of Subject Matter Experts. Boy, would I love to be on that panel. In addition, New York State Attorney General Letitia James, the top law enforcement officer in New York State, has endorsed a joint law enforcement initiative would follow up on a series of leads presented in the article. Attorney General James uh, supports the concept of multi and you know, a lot of politicians covering their butts in these uh, quotes. 
An online petition created following the article's publication called for assembling a multi-agency task force, including the FBI and state police. Uh, the sheriff's office poor track record and limitations in manpower and resources. The sheriff's office was designated the lead agency in 1973 based on the notion that the teens were allegedly last seen in its jurisdiction. Going to come back to that. It is clear that the everyday duties of a single detective in the Sullivan County Sheriff's Office does not allow for everything that needs to be done to solve this case, the petition states. Family and friends were thrilled in the new developments. After so long, we finally may have a team in place that might get his closure. With the technical expertise of the FBI and state police, this would give the case the best chance it has to ever have been solved. That's just amazing. Add Bickwood's sister, Cheryl Kagan. I'm hoping to be able to finally find out what happened. All right. And I'm not going to get into all of the details in this. Please go to the Charlie Project. Uh, it has extensive write-ups for both of these young people who went missing. They went to a concert and went missing. Uh, they had like a backpack. I guess they were going to sleep out as, as many people did back then. Going to Woodstock, it was a totally different time back then. People hitchhiking across the United States. People don't do that much these days for obvious reasons. But these two kids wanted to go to this concert and they disappeared. There's no news if they ever made it to the concert. I haven't read anything. Of course, when you have 600,000 people and these two kids going, I mean, how are you ever going to remember anybody? We don't even know where they disappeared. We don't even know if they were really even telling the truth about wanting to go to the concert. We really don't, you know, and she, you know, there's, it seems to me the way people look at it now is they had some things going on. Did one of them quit a job? They were having problem with their parents on and on and on. So what do I think about this? I'm going to go back to what was, like I said, I was going to go back to, um, they used a bunch of M words, Mel, um, malfeasance. Where is it? I want to get the wording just right. Um, poor track record and limitations in manpower and resources. Um, uh, where is the word malfeasance? <laughs> and when I, when I, <laughs> when I hear that word, I think of, um, I miss it. All right. I'm just going to, I can't find it here, but you know, it's not clear to me having done this for over seven years now, three over 300 disappearances, disappearances. Now it's not clear to me that anybody and made any mistakes in this, um, you know, pointing finger that they didn't take it seriously, poor track record, limitations in manpower and resources. Let's think about, let's not get caught up in, in all this and the politicians covering their butts and everything. Let's really think about this. In 1973 terms, what was Sullivan County supposed to do? Really? There's no cell phones, no internet, no social media, anything. We don't, they could have disappeared anywhere. And in fact, maybe they really did run off. And so I, I want every disappearance solved. I do. 
Do I do I do I do? I will tell you though, this does not seem to me to be a very good use of New York State resources. Um, and I'll tell you what, I feel horrible, but I feel horrible about this. I can't imagine what this family's gone through. But what I also know is there is no clear reason that anything of a foul play nature occurred. And keep in mind, as long as they're working on this disappearance, they can't work on any others. Whereas here's what I know about disappearances in the state of New York, having covered a few. There are many that are foul play that aren't getting this attention. Susie Lyle, Dominic Holly Grisham, Brian Sullivan as examples. How about those? Whereas with this one, certainly horrible. Feel bad. Sad. Very sad. But I question the the logic of devoting all these resources to something where it's not clear that any foul play occurred. If you're going to do this, how about picking those disappearances where circumstantially it certainly can be believed that a killer got away with something? This is not clear here. These two kids could have run off. They could have they could have been killed. I don't know what the odds of that are. They could have been camping somewhere and there was a rainstorm and they got washed away. They could have been hiking there and you know we're on a trail and as you know people you know they they got lost and died due to the elements. There are a lot of different things that could have happened that is not foul play that would then mean that all of these resources could be used. Um, to, uh, and to say it once again, when you have all of these people working on this at different levels, Sullivan County, New York State Police, everything else, they can't work on anything else. It's just like with Unfound, uh, you know, when I'm working on this disappearance, I can't work on this disappearance. You can only manage one at a time. So, you know, uh, I know probably in soundbite form, this is probably going to not make me look very good. Are you really saying this shouldn't be investigated? I think what I'm saying is that I think people are cooking up reasons to do this investigation that aren't based in anything that that – that makes any sense. I don't know what they wanted people to do back then in 1973. And I don't know how in 2023, when you're not even sure if they made it to the concert, they hitchhiked, they got in a car, they went to California. I don't know how you'd figure any of that out unless the, these two young people are now still alive here in 2023 and come forward and say, Oh, yeah, we went missing because. You know, it's, you know, it's kind of more my area to give attention to disappearances, no matter if there's foul play or not. But when I see to this extent, the FBI, senators getting involved and everything for two teenagers who were trying to go to a concert and there's no proof that anything bad happened. I start to wonder if that's a really good use of taxpayer money in New York. 
especially considering there are other crimes and things that are much more obvious where people have gotten away with things. So I, I don't know if this uh, response surprises you. I know. I want all disappearances solved. But um, this is not what I envision when I think about law enforcement looking back at old disappearances. If they want to uh, you know, give one person – here's the file – See what you can do. Because this, you have to remember something. This is not something that's going to be solved, if it can even be solved, through just throwing a bunch of people and money at it. Okay, we have to remember that. Just because there are going to be a lot of money and people and hours put into this does not mean it's going to get solved. It very well be, it could be a year from now, they're no further ahead than they are. And I think that's probable. I think it's probable. Now, if you, on the other hand, were to tell me there were other teenagers who were going to that concert who also went missing, if you were to tell me around that time that hitchhikers were being picked up in Sullivan County and being murdered, if you were to tell me that uh, you know anything that that their disappearances could be connected to some wider phenomenon at the time, then maybe that's different. But I've not seen that here, having read about their disappearances. That seems like something that is unique to them. And uh, no, it just seems of all of the disappearances that have occurred in New York over the past 50 years, they pick these two to devote all this time and manpower and attention and everything to this. It seems odd. And maybe the, and dare I say, maybe they're only doing it because Rolling Stone did an article and that's the worst reason to do anything. Just because Rolling Stone picked some disappearance out because, you know, Rolling Stone doesn't usually cover disappearances just because it got a lot of attention in Rolling Stone magazine is not a reason to do this. Okay. Leave that up to podcasts like my own or the vanished or John Lorden or uh, some others who do this all the time and then get police involved that way. Whereas with Rolling Stone, it just, you know, what did I say? It's kind of makes me feel like, um, you know, what happened with the Michael Turney trial. Not blaming Alyssa's sister who did the who did the podcast, but when you do something that's high profile like that, sometimes it gets people into doing things that maybe shouldn't be done, or maybe it should be done a different way, or shouldn't be held off, or a better decision should be made. Maybe. So I wish them all the luck in the world. I, I'm guessing maybe they have more information. Obviously, they have more information than it is in the public sphere. But there's no DNA. There's nothing. This isn't like, uh, as uh, Marcus brought up, Sand Dunes girl that was identified. It's not that. So good luck to them. Uh, if anybody's listening on that panel or anybody, New York State Police or... 
if you're listening to this or watching this, you can contact me. I'm more than willing to help you out because I probably know more about missing persons cases than any of you do. But you can contact me at unfoundpodcast.gmail.com and I'd love to help. Uh, and uh, But still, I think that this is an odd use of New York State taxpayer money. All right, let's go on to this Friday's episode. Getting buck back to disappearances after uh, a update episode and seventh anniversary. We're going to Arkansas. Covered a lot of disappearances in Arkansas. Brandon Barron is the missing young man. B a r r o n. He went missing on June twenty third of twenty twenty. And probably the unique part about his disappearance is that his his parents were the last people to see him. Now, you know, should know, Brandon's a grown man. There's no belief that his parents had anything, no reason to believe his parents had anything to do with his disappearance. But the way in which they saw him is kind of unique. Um, Brandon was going through some things. He had a drug issue, had some mental health issues. And one day, Daryl and uh, Shelly, his parents, who were the guests, both of them are the guests, they were coming home uh, from a doctor's appointment. And who did they see? They saw their son walking along the road, but they were estranged from him. And he had made some comments that were about specifically about his father, Daryl, that uh, had uh, they had to kind of distance themselves from their son. But they're driving down this country road only a mile from their house, and there's Brandon walking along the road. But they didn't stop due to the way Brandon had been acting. They thought he was coming to the house. They waited for him. He never got there. He was never seen again. Unique circumstances. Very, very unique. But once again, Brandon Barron, B-A-R-R-O-N, a fairly new disappearance from June of 2020. Fayetteville, Arkansas's location. His parents, Daryl and Shelly Barron, are the guests. And that will be this Friday. Let me see what everybody is saying um, before I leave. Uh, I read a long article on this case. It's a wild one. The account of a guy who claims he picked them up. Yeah, I read that uh, about these two hitchhikers from 1973 going to the concert. Yeah. It's crazy, Rockford. I mean, nobody actually really believes that person, do they? But, you know, uh, what is your – I agree it's hard to blame, Ellie. You have two kids going on an adventure that apparently ended up going haywire for as many possible reasons as one can imagine. No evidence, Mary scenarios in play. Michelle Ann Harris is another woman who disappeared in New York State and her husband in charge but was never found. Knew a guy in the early 90s that gave up everything and started touring with the Grateful Dead, just totally went off the grid for about two years. Not a grateful dead. Uh, thank you for that crank. Not a grateful dead fan either. Rockford. Um, Malfesian Street says makes me think of Maleficent, which makes me think of Angelina Jolie. Totally different things. Malfeasance makes me think of the movie Fargo, where uh, Francis McDormand's character uses that uh, in a very funny context. I think I heard something about that dog. Nickname Master of Pulleys, Puppies. That's funny. Unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. All right, Blade in the LA Times, Sheree. Okay. 
All right, that's it. That's all the chat. Thank you all for watching tonight. Thank you for listening. If you're listening to this as a podcast, when it comes out Tuesday, September 5th, that's all I got. Uh, Great show tonight. I think I'm going to sleep really, really, really well tonight. We're going to make it really cold in this condo so I don't wake up at 3 in the morning uh, dying. And you will hear and see me, or at least hear and see me if you uh, catch the episode on YouTube. Otherwise, iTunes, Spotify, everywhere else, you will hear me with my interview and with Daryl and Shelly. Thank you all so much. And keep your heads on swivels out there. You know, always be aware. Do not be a victim. And uh, Charlie, good seeing you in the chat tonight. Say hello to the kids for me. Good night.